Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. This episode of Dum De Da is sponsored by Licker You Like on the Felsham Road. The chap's called Hammered and he's so lovely. Doesn't mind if you come in twice a day. Don't tell anyone. Thank you very much. G'day, this is Calypso Archibald. I'm the older sister of Gemme Archibald and the daughter of Millie Bell. Dum de 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 dum And what makes it so interesting, Calypso, is you don't even listen to the archers. This is an open letter to Sean O'Connor, the editor of The Archers. Dear Mr O'Connor, We'd like to call you Sean, but we get the impression you're the kind of man who likes status. <laughs> Lucy, you started this off all wrong. <laughs> but anyway, you go for it, girl. <laughs> We're not claiming to speak for our 18,000 listeners here, but we are speaking as us. Two lifelong fans of the Archers who have put up with plot vagaries, actors changing and successful and unsuccessful characters appearing and disappearing. That's why we created Dumpty Dum, to celebrate our love of this eccentric and wonderful show. And we're prouder than we can say of our podcast. It's created a community of witty, articulate and passionate Archers listeners who hold a staggering amount of information about the characters and love for their lives and for Ambridge. These are dedicated listeners, Mr O'Connor. Over the last couple of months, since you took over the helm of the Archers, we've spoken to various actors on the programme. Many of them listen to us and have either requested to come on the show or we've asked them and they've happily agreed. And that's where it goes wrong, because the same thing happens every time. All of a sudden we get an email from your assistant saying that they are suddenly unavailable. And we get an embarrassed DM from the actors themselves saying they're sorry but they've been told not to come on. At first we thought fair enough, although the various people on the Archers with whom we have very good relationships have pointed out to you that we are good eggs, that we have nothing but love for the show and our only interest is in promoting it. You still seem to feel, though, that they would somehow be at risk for associating with us and our listeners. The same people that listen to The Archers every week, no matter how dire it gets. <laughs> so we emailed you ourselves. 
reassuring you that we meant no harm and that your actors would be respected as would plot lines. But you didn't even reply. And now the latest actor that was due to come on has sent us the inevitable apology to say they have been advised not to. This does not seem like a very respectful way to behave when you're someone at the helm of a Radio 4 institution like The Archers, who is reliant on listeners. In the last episode of The Archers, David Archer gave his speech at the barn dance and talked about how determined he was to fight for the future of the community that we all depend on and love so much. Maybe it would be a good idea for you to listen to the community that you depend on every now and again. With all best wishes, Royfield and Lucy. Oh, crumbs. Was so, that all right? Yeah, yeah, crumbs, yeah. It it was a little bit more pointed than I would have had. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm fed up. Well, uh, you know, I'm a little bit more diplomatic, but that's never got me anywhere. So you're probably right just to hit him between the eyes. But he's, so. pu- he's putting the actors in a really difficult position, and that's mm. not fair. Well, let's see if um, your open letter... To, to Mr O has a desired effect and then all of a sudden the, the actors, uh, the dam of actors uh, will be just released and well, don't know what the hell I'm talking about let's just hope, <laughs> <laughs> let's just hope that um, he listens and he reflects and he reaches out, oh god he can't reach out to us can no, he? he can't no. reach out right. let's hope that he listens, he reflects and he acts on what you said and because yes. I would, it, it we do need them on the show every now and then. And I think, you know, I don't even think, I know that they actually love coming on because yeah. there, there aren't too many places. If you're an actor on The Archers, you can actually go on and talk about your work on The Archers. There yeah. aren't, yeah. you know. And we love them all. Even the ones we don't like, we like. Yeah. So, you know, so... <sighs> right, on that note, let's just crack on. Okay. And say, this is Dum Dum, the show about reality drama that I sent on an ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I'm the Dosey Doe, that is Royfield Brand, and with me are the uncoordinated twitching, that is Lucy Freeman. And the most important part of our barn dance, folks, is you. Now, today's rendition of Barrett Green is brought to you by the Ingenue Calypso Archibald, all the way from the land down under. Lucy, mm-hmm. can you remind our listeners how they can win the accolade of Dum De Dumber? of the week it's an important accolade isn't it it's very important mm. so give us a ring on 0203 to sing us a dumpty dum or get in touch via speak pipe with your plot predictions or to reveal who you'd most like to have a ferret with thank you <laughs> to Harriet at Shambridge's for her fantastic voices and to Derek for in the back bedroom he's setting up his own business as he thinks there is a market for people who don't want artisan sausages they just want old fashioned nasty sausages He's been putting them in the veg boxes till Auntie Cardboard complained that he tossed his chipolata in her salad. Hey, that's, that's really quite rude. <laughs> that's Isn't really it? quite rude. <laughs> uh, i tell you what, right, um, just to keep up the slight political uh, meanderings and musings before we get to the election, I found myself wandering into the Queen's Park um, farmer's market mm-hmm. yes, uh, yesterday and the Tory candidate was there mm-hmm. oh, I, fair play to him is a handsome guy he actually looks like he should be an American politician he kind of has that kind of handsomeness that American politicians he has the teeth, teeth he has the sparkly blue eyes and I just wanted to punch him in the solid plexus though, you know? <laughs> <laughs> 
No, he was very balanced very political sm- comment. Well done, Roy. <laughs> <laughs> he was very smiley, very smiley, and and very pleasant. But I just went, nah, sorry, but nah. Yeah. And and I about. walked away, and I was walking with my Asian, and I actually thought, actually, what I should have done is gone back and engaged him in in conversation in debate. Um, but he took it with good grace. He says, oh, you know, you win some, you lose some. I went, well, you know, and just, and just walked off. But if I see him again, because he did seem very smiling, very open. And you know, this is the time when those people have to listen, isn't it? Yeah. You know, you know after May the whenever, he ain't going to be listening to anybody ever again. So, <laughs> uh, you know, so if I see you again, Mr. Tory uh, candidate uh, for Hampstead and Kilburn, I actually will engage in conversation. That's if you listen to the to listen to the archers and listen to Dumpty Dum. Uh, otherwise, um, I'm just throwing this out to nobody really. But I will try and engage it right now. Um, that's me and my uh, pre-election roundup news. This week we have calls from Andrew Hall, who explains what is going on in St. Stephen's. Uh, Felicity, who predicts Rob's future, goddess diva, who gives us a recipe on roasting Rob. Mm. That has different connotations as to depending on, you know, the, the you know, the context you have. Yeah, that, but I know. think I think in Goddess Diva's terms, it's all pretty much the same. Right. OK, good. Cosmo, who picks up the pace and Jojo sexy heels, who's worried about Ian. Now, um, but before we get to all of that, best bit of the show I can wander off, get myself a coffee. We live is Lucy for five minutes till about the last week in Ambridge. Go, go, go. Ed has got his new tractor and is very excited. He showed Emma, who was less than impressed. It supports me in all the right places and stops me getting stiff, said Ed, unlike Emma. Someone once said (laughs) that the definition of lunacy is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different outcome. That definition also applies to being a Grundy. Let's spunk a shed load of money we haven't got on a huge bit of hardware with vast monthly repayments, encouraged by my father, who couldn't even afford to pay his own house insurance and who is currently living in a hotel while his father wears his neighbour's underwear, and bank it all on me getting a load of work based on the fact that I've been given a week's work clearing drains. Oh, Ed! (sighs) It was Helen's birthday. And she celebrated by being shouted at by her psychotic boyfriend a day after accompanying him to the doctors for his DNA test. Tichinob made her a cup of tea for which she was ecstatically grateful and said, I'm not going to be ex- I'm not going to expect to be treated like this all day, as if he just organised the masked bands of the Grenadier guards outside the cottage. They went to the ball for dinner. Rob went off and ordered and apologised for being away. Don't worry, said Helen, I was chatting to Nick. Well, we're glad you're allowed to, Helen. Anyway, Tom is down with the pigs. I presume this is the rural version of oh, being down with the pigs. wait a minute. What? Well done. Yes, thank you. Hey. I, you <laughs> I like the yeah. way you pulled that in. <laughs> uh, Tom is down with the pigs. I presume this is the rural version of being down with the kids. Lillian's home with a new face. James took her, as she said, to a little place in the West End for some cheap Botox. It was actually just a place. It was actually a place just off Shaftesbury Avenue. 
called House of Jinwa Dim Sum and Takeaway, and she got injected with the stuff that comes out of the crispy fried duck. It looks fine, <laughs> but she does get people smacking their lips a bit thoughtfully and looking around for the hoisin sauce when she gets warm. Meanwhile, over at the stables, things are hotting up or falling apart, whichever way you care to think of it. Alistair doesn't want to turn his phone off, as all Shula ever talks to him about is how cold or hot she is. Should I take my cardigan, Alistair? Are you taking your coat? Shall I take my coat? It's all right now, but it might be chilly later. Alistair <laughs> feels as if he is in an eventide home. Put your cardigan on! Yes! The human barometer spent some time trying to interest Alistair in drooling over endless photographs of Danakin Skywalker in uniform, and then to put the tin hat on it, persuaded him to the come to the barn dance, which he grudgingly did with a face like a slapped ass. Jolene will get you going, Shula said jovially. I'm not sure jump leads and an adrenaline shot would get Alistair going, but full marks for trying. Alistair refused to dozy his dough, or whatever it was he was supposed to be doing, and offered to take Auntie Cardboard home early, as he wanted to get his head down, he said. Well, if that's going on, no wonder Shula's looking further afield. She is looking, truth be told, in the dubious direction of Dr Richard Locke, or Dr Dick, as we shall call him former bachelor of this parish and ex-lover of both Usha and Shula. Maybe he likes women whose names are very nearly anagrams of each other. Shula seemed to have set up one of those psychological tricks that people play when they're trying to justify doing something they shouldn't. I am going to get my marriage back on track by making my husband soufflés and forcing him to come to a barn dance. And if he doesn't like the soufflés and the barn dances, then that would be a sign that I am perfectly within my rights to go around rogering all the ex-boyfriends I can find. <laughs> The fact is, A, soufflés are an absolute nightmare and should only even be thought about if the person that is going to eat them is sitting at the table, knife and fork poised, not someone whose entire schedule could be changed at a whiff of mastitis. And B, the barn dances require a huge amount of booze and energy to be remotely enjoyable, neither of which Alistair had. Anyway, Shuda will not let a little thing like honesty and fair play stop her, so I fully expect her to be at the mercy of Dr. Dick's probing rubber glove very shortly. <laughs> Pip asked two of the most unacademic people in the world, namely her parents, to read her dissertation. Then she pointed out brightly that she knew where the fridge was in her own kitchen, so that's good. It's those kind of brains that'll get her a first, no doubt about it. She did ask her father if he'd enjoyed his time in Holland, and he clearly couldn't remember anything about it, from which I surmise that he spent it as many people spend time in Holland, either giggling or feeling incredibly hungry. Jolene thoroughly enjoys a meaty banger, she informed us. Well, we know that, love. <laughs> Once she'd got up, she taste-tested Tom's sausages. She particularly liked the seaweed pickled onion and Mr. Matey variety. She's going to buy some more, she says, which translates in Tom's head as, I am going to be a millionaire within the next week. And finally, Usha and Shula got carted. Oh, silly me, talking about the doctor that you were both shagging at the same time. I can't believe I did that. Shall I do it again? Said Susan happily, as they both got more and more pleasingly uncomfortable. Good old Susan. Come to the village shop for your stamps, a few overpriced organic luxuries, some botulism ripple ice cream, and a quick knee in the groin. Support your local business. The end. Oh, well done. I enjoyed that this week. Um, now... Yes. You know what I've discovered this week? What? I've missed an episode. I didn't hear the barn dance. Really? Mm. You didn't miss much. Ah, okay. Well, Pip, you told Pip me what got, happened. Pip got pissed mm. and then appeared not to be pissed because then had a heart-to-heart -heart with her dad. Mm. Um, 
and she sort of said I'm a bit bored and I want to do more things and I'm you know it was I was all exciting about Hadley <laughs> and now that's all gone down the pan and um, there's so many things I want to do dad and Spencer was there with his new girlfriend and that's what made her get drunk um, um, and Kenton never showed up uh, and Jolene sort of said well I can see why and David said yes so can I um, and naughty old Alistair mm. um, sort of uh, t- decided to take Auntie Christine home early because he was very bored and uh, so it was, she was very tired and then Shula kind of went right well find someone else to dance with and then went outside and rang Dr Dick and really? said yeah and said uh, was he up for meeting Naughty Shula. Good heavens. She is doing exactly that thing, though, isn't she? Of setting, doing that really, really unfair thing of setting someone else's, like Alistair, is just plodding along, completely oblivious, feeling a bit miserable. Life's a bit shit. Mm. She's having this massive crisis that she's not sharing with him. She's just waiting for him to put a foot wrong and then going, aha! You see? (laughs) It's all over. It's rubbish. Right, then I'm completely justified in, 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 in uh, going back to ex-boyfriends and things. It's really unfair to, do, to set someone an ultimatum without actually telling them that's what you're doing, setting them up to fail and then using that as a justification to do what you were going to do anyway. Mm. Very, very mean and very Shula. Mm. Well, but something is going on with Alistair as well, though, isn't it? I don't think it is. I think really? he's just yeah. I think he was he was managing he trying to manage his business. He's trying to grow it. Then the flood happened, knocked out all his equipment, so to speak. So he doesn't know what he's you know. Uh, he's sort of having to start again. He hasn't he hasn't even got premises anymore, and he's rushing around like a blue ass fly trying to find Pete somewhere to actually operate his business from. And in the meantime, she was you know decided now is a great time to have a little wobble about the fact that her son's grown up. Uh, okay, so if we wind back the clock, in the last 18 months, Alistair has gone to a lot of conferences, hasn't he? Yeah, but he's a vet. They do that. Oh, uh, yeah. Taken, you know. Uh, uh, but surely what she's reacting to kind of is the fact that he's not around, or at least he's not been present in their relationship. No, I don't. I think that... I think it's all to do with um, with Danakin Skywalker. And I think that... I know what you mean, that she's feeling neglected or the, or the fizzle's gone out of it or the fizz has gone out of it or whatever. Mm. But... Fizzle works. <laughs> sound like some it's a bit of street talk from, from like, the Bronx. The, shizzle, the shizzle's gone out of their relationship. Um, I think she's doing that classic thing which people do in... Well, there is a massive danger of people doing in, in relationships, which is she suddenly turned the spotlight back on their relationship with no notice, frozen it in time and said, right, that is what our relationship is like. It's rubbish. Right, I'm off. And, you know, she's not looking at it in the context of what is going on for him. Uh, you know, in the context of it over years, she's just suddenly decided, right, my son has gone he's now a man that makes he's starting that's making me realise that I've kind of sort of all my ambitions have not yet been realised right Mm -hmm. come on then let's go and do that oh you don't seem to be very interested because he's had no interest 
He's oh. had no notice that she's about to thinking like this. That she's about to have come to this conclusion. And you're guessing that she's going to come to that conclusion. But obviously we're looking at this through the prism of Shula and Alistair and to a lesser degree Dan, right? Mm. But isn't this just a fairly uh, predictable symptom of, you know, the bird flying the nest where all of a sudden two people who have been in a relationship for X amount of years and bringing up that child mm. then have to look around and in effect reorder their lives yeah, because absolutely. you know so I think you've been a little bit harsh on old Shula I know but no it's, one but likes she's her. not talking to him about it she hasn't said this is how I'm feeling but maybe she's she just getting irritated even, but with... she doesn't even really know that's the way but that she said she that that's how she was feeling she talked to Dan about it that's what I mean. She's she having did. she's she having she the heart to, the, she's having the romantic heart to hearts with her son. No, it wasn't romantic. Stop it with your no, but you know what I mean. No, but it's but the same as David and um, Jill. He had the talk with Jill that he should have had with Ruth. She's having the talk with Shula's having the talk with Danikin that she no, should have been having to, with Alistair. No, to be fair to David, right? It was much more understandable his reticence of being able to speak to his wife. I'm not saying it was the right thing to do. It was understandable in that his wife had set her heart on this move, and he just absolutely couldn't make yeah. the move. He went and tried to. Yeah, go no, it's more understandable with. It's David, much yeah. more understandable. Much more understandable. But I've always got the impression with Alistair that he's seen a second he's best. <laughs> that he's second best. He's not really part of the family. Mm. You know what? I'll give you that. I'll because give because you that. of the you know Mark is held up as this yes, kind of he's the you saint, know, isn't he? he? Yeah, the yeah. hero. And Alistair's sort of a little bit second best, and then he has his weakness with the, the gambling and stuff, and you know, it's mm. sort of like he's not quite enquiocedia, as they say, mm. you know. Yeah. Well, anyway, the whole point of Dum De Dum is for the wonderful community of listeners that you talked about so eloquently yes. at the start of the show to have their say. So yeah. why don't we hit those phone lines? Hello, Ambridge3962. Hello, Dumpty Dummers. It's Andrew Horn here. I have been resisting the temptation to uh, comment on St. Stephen's and the liturgy. Um, but Claire from Scotland has uh, opened up this can of worms. So, first of all, to answer uh, her question, the vigil on Good Friday is a traditional three-hour period of prayer and reflection uh, to mark the time Jesus spent on the cross, um, sometimes preceded by a sung passion. Um, and I believe that's, well, that is a traditional service. I think the Easter Eve vigil on the Saturday night uh, is a more recent uh, tradition, certainly uh, not around in the days when I was spending a lot of time in church as a cathedral chorister um, many moons ago. So uh, that's uh, hopefully sorted that one out. Um, there are some things concerning me, though, about the uh, liturgical life in Ambridge. Um, Maundy Thursday. Now, I'm not sure how many churches would have allowed a village meeting that night um, when traditionally the vicar would be uh, stripping the altar and clearing out the sanctuary so it is completely bare for Good Friday. But maybe Alan was off doing that in Penny Hassett. 
instead and he certainly wasn't at that meeting so maybe that is the answer to that um, but the one that really did that set me thinking about this um, was going all the way back to Palm Sunday and uh, concerned for Alan's liturgy because for some reason we came in and we heard the end of his sermon after which we went straight to the final hymn and um, I, I've never come across a church where that would that would happen. So that does worry me. Uh, has been preying on my mind. Anyway, on the wider note about the church in village life, I have some friends who live in in villages, and um, church is it's more part of the social fabric, the sort of warp and weft of the uh, of the village life. So I think that was the point you were making last week uh, and so people do just go to church um, more than they would maybe in towns um, however the it will be a gentle middle of the road uh, Church of England uh, churchmanship at St Stephen's uh, neither too evangelical nor spiky high church so that's the end of my sermon um, I hope I haven't bored you too much I'd like to finish with a couple of other points um, two of them around sound um, Heather Pet's teeth. Sorry, I just don't get it. Doesn't bother me, um, and I'll try not to listen in um, so that it does bother me. Um, no, don't don't hear that one at all. Um, but what I do appreciate is the improved quality of the Dum to Dum recording since you've been uh, doing your both ends separate tracks or whatever it is you're doing um, much better much more professional um, and finally uh, from last night this is I'm sending this Friday morning so from last night's uh, episode um, and without wishing to trespass on Cosmo's economics patch uh, Kenton really should listen to Jolene um, put all his credit cards consolidated on one debt yes then pay it off but at least you'll be paying it off at a lower rate than credit cards so listen to jolene she is talking sense i've taken up far too much of your time so i'm going to uh, bugger off and do some work um speak to you all soon bye andrew horn thank you for explaining what the hell is going on at st stephen's with these endless um services uh so i hope that's sorted out uh, claire from he's uh, um in giving in his his response to claire from scotland via yes. canada who was asking what on earth is going on mm. and where is easter gone is, is he some theologian um no he was a he head chorister oh yes yep mm. um so yes thank you very much for that uh that's not our field so that's very helpful i have to say <laughs> we're not we're not uh, would you ever a choir boy or anything no, never choir boy. Though I did go to Seven Day Adventist Church uh, once a month uh, between the ages of I don't know what six and maybe twelve, and I don't mind admitting, absolutely hated it. Yeah. And um, every now and then, that was my mum's side of the family. And every now and then, my dad would get a prang, a little Methodist prang, and say, "Get yourself down to the Methodist church down in, in Perry Bar." And I'd go there and much more convivial. Right. Um, but don't even start me on Seven Day Adventist uh, church <laughs> services because you know they even happen on a Saturday. It's yeah. just, oh, dreadful. As a child, just dreadful, dreadful. You couldn't watch Tiz Was, you couldn't watch Swap <laughs> Shop. <laughs> and then you're in church for uh, maybe about five hours all in all on, on a Saturday. You couldn't listen to football. Oh, just five no, no. hours? Oh, don't. Lucy. Those Seven Day Adventists, right? Now, 
they are the closest kind of Christian sect to Judaism in that they don't right. eat pork, don't yeah. eat shell food, etc., etc. A lot of their dietary habits are Jewish, and then they have the same. Uh, they observe the Sabbath in exactly the same way. So sunset on a Friday through to sunset on a Saturday, um, and then my grandmother and grandfather were particularly zealot-like in uh, following all of this so they in effect the the outside world ended so tv came off at sunset and they had you said had the calendar of times of sunset and you know um and that was tv came off radio went off and as a little kid in the 70s you know that meant starsky and hutch was just like gone (laughs) (laughs) it's just horrid so when my mom would say right you going over to your grandma and grandpa's uh, you know, this Friday, I just just, just start crying. Just Aww. like, no, mum, no, stop it, stop it. You know, and um, grandma and grandpa, absolutely lovely, lovely people. But it was just you couldn't explain to an eight-year-old. You know that okay, Friday night. Uh, you know, Saturday morning. There is no swap shop, no tis was, no nothing. You and then you're going to go to this dusty church and just sing these old hymns in this really kind of flat, tuneless way. Every hymn they sang, they sang to the same tune. It was, <laughs> a, it was just, even, there was no joy even with that. Oh, dreadful. I love my grandma and grandpa dearly and bless them, they're both up in heaven looking down on me. But like, oh, they, they just, there was a real, there's a real serious point though about the lack of, A, the amount of slog you had to go through. So you went to church at about 11 or 10, 10 till 12 or 10 till half 12 on on Saturday then you broke for lunch then you went back to church at maybe about three o'clock to let's say till six now then they wondered why the congregation was just full of uh, small kids under the age of about 13 through uh, and then there's a massive gap and then it was all full of old people And the way the whole thing was structured, apart from just the length, just could not engage young people. So as soon as Mm -hmm. those kids left home, they didn't go back to church. Yeah. You know, and everything about it was just like written in stone. There was no kind of flexibility. There was no joy in that church. There absolutely wasn't. You really got a sense going to the Methodist church that, you know, the... The, the, the vicar, the they don't call them vicars in their situation, I can't remember what the heck they're called. But, you know, he would get up there, he'd crack a few jokes. You actually felt that, you know, it was, it was, the service was tight, for want of a better thing. But also, he... How was the, the pace, Roy Field? Background oh, music? you know what, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's the, a good little twinkling of drum and bass in the background, just push <laughs> things along nicely. But no, he, you know, he, he rattled along you know cracked a few cracked a few jokes when needed you know was solemn when needed and and you walked out there and you, you remembered stuff yeah. this six hours slog where every song was sung in the same way or like whatever and, and also they focused all on the old testament and i've right. got a big problem with the old testament oh. so listen don't start me lucy <laughs> on the sunday i think it's too church. late to be honest <laughs> Don't start me. Don't an hour start and a half later. Me. And another thing! <laughs> Fire and brimstone. People being smited left, right and centre. 
you know, a vengeful Lord. Oh, right. just please, no. Come on. I just, anyway, anyway. <laughs> anyway, mm. Andrew Horn says that he appreciates both our ends, Royfield. So that's nice. Uh, what does um, he mean? The sound. That oh, we're sounding yes. better because mm. we're recording at both ends. Mm. And Kenton, uh, he says Kenton should listen to Jolene about consolidating debts. Yes, Kenton should just basically listen to Jolene about everything and not try and have any thoughts himself. That would be good. Did you notice how shifty she got when when she took... No one's had a no one's had a facelift here. No one's had a face... Because <laughs> she has, hasn't she? Do you remember? Mm, yes. Ages ago. But it's the way she said it. It was so funny. Defending Lillian, but then being conscious that she mustn't defend her too much, otherwise it might give the game away. So she... <laughs> Very good. Poor old Lillian. Just, 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 just a quick aside. Yes. Um, what's the youngest... It's the youngest person that you know has had a facelift. Had a bit uh, of work. Forty. Forty. Mm-hmm. Neighbour of mine, thirty. Thirty. Had <gasps> some work. That's terrible. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Went up to oh, Newcastle. So... Nipped up to Newcastle. 30. Newcastle. Yeah. She she'd book somewhere in, it couldn't happen. She could get up to Newcastle and get it done like in the afternoon, so she jumped on the train and yeah. What was it, a facelift or eye lift or something? Uh, yeah, she told me and I was just too busy being horrified to really yeah. take in the detail. But and, and, and of course she's absolutely gorgeous, absolutely no need. Uh, but I suppose she would say, Well that actually is the reason because I'm I'm mm. keeping it going. But yeah. I just yeah. Mm. Um, I had to go on a press trip a couple of years ago uh, to Sweden and I was talking to an extremely prominent plastic surgeon and as I get to the end of the story you'll realise why I can't say his name and uh, they were very very careful in the beginning because they'd all been media trained within an inch of their lives not to say anything contentious but he'd had a bit to drink and uh, we were having a sort of off the record conversation at the end of the evening, and I said, "Which um, you're going to put on the record by yes, talking about it." Yes, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to say. Oh, okay. His right. name. Uh, he said, uh, "I was talking about repeat." I said, "The, the, the problem I have with it is," that he said, "Look, if someone has got something that they want to improve, that's actually having a detrimental effect on their, you know, the way they think of their self-esteem." then I don't see anything wrong with it. And I said, yeah, but for me, the problem is that it's people don't just have one procedure. It's then it's very, very unusual for someone just to have one thing done. Mm. It's, you know, it, it starts a kind of a cycle. And he said, oh, well, you know how to, he said, I can tell you how you get repeat custom. He said, it's very simple. Uh, you do the procedure on the woman or the man and they look much better. And they come in for the... Um, uh, the, the the post the meeting afterwards and uh, you check everything and you say well I'll be really really pleased it's made a it's you know it's a really positive effect and uh, and uh, we're really glad that you're pleased and everything and they say yes I'm delighted doctor thank you so much and then he said as they've got their hand on the door handle as they're leaving you say yep and anytime you want to come back and uh, and we can get that neck sorted out that would be great and he said usually by the time uh they've closed the door they're heading straight over to the receptionist to book in for the to have a neck procedure done so it's just about making people feel insecure and actually telling them the bit that you've highlighted has just highlighted everything else that is wrong mm. so by by improving one bit you've just highlighted all the bits that aren't right so then you know you go on and do more and more and more and more and more 
kind of on a similar note, um, I once had a very, um, very good chat with a, a motivational um, speaker, mm-hmm. and and he's like, literally, well, he's at literally the top of his game. So he knows the. Um, Anthony Robbins uh, and mm. actually uh, was his mentor so Blimey. people hmm? yeah yeah, yeah. Bl- yeah yeah so if people know of him um, you can probably work out who this person was and the thing that has always kind of tripped me up about that whole world is that these people you see go along to these seminars and they say I've got to if you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel which can cause vision abnormalities blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. You know, in the next hour, two hours, three hours, however long it is. I'm going, to tell, I'm going to give you the secrets of how to, you know, to change your mind. You know, it's NLP stuff. But then these people have legions of followers, and then they come to seminar after seminar mm. after seminar and spend, you know, and then literally some people fly all around the world to go yeah. to these talks. And I said to him, I said, surely this is a little bit of, and I didn't use the word con, but just you know, for the sake of this podcast and expediting the conversation, I says, you know, this is, this is hucksterism, yeah. you know, because you say, I'm going to tell you everything within that one session. And he yeah. says, absolutely. He said, absolutely. And he said, not that it's a con, but he says that I know the people who will come to that seminar and then will work, walk away with the tools 
and he, you know, of actually how to change their lives and how to um, think in a different way and to be positive and to achieve their goals. And he says, it's only 5%. And he says, yeah. and I do get these people that come time after time. And he says, but what they get out of it is the community of other people around them yeah. and that feeling of elation within the actual session. He said, mm. they actually don't listen. Actually, to what I've said, if they listen to what I've said. I'd never yeah. see them again. He yeah. said, I should see them once and then go. And he said, yeah. actually, he said, entrepreneurs are actually very good. You see them once. And he says, they'll, and he said, they don't ask a whole load of questions. They're just scribbling down notes. And he says, 5% of the people, you never see them again. And he said, yeah. those are the people who have truly heard what I've said. So yeah. it's kind of the opposite to really to what you're saying. He says, actually, I don't want repeat custom. Yeah. So repeat custom means it, it's kind of failed, you know? Yeah. But no, absolutely fascinating. He was just very honest. And he says, yes, you know, I have people that, some people that fly or not go to Sydney to do a seminar, and people fly in from, from the States and whatever. And he says, you know, for them, it's just a great big jolly. And they yeah. don't listen to what I say. But anyway. anyway. But it's, 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 it's like Lillian. Mm. It's when, when religion was a, a very, um, was, sort of not compulsory but you know what i mean when it was in when it was a part of everyday life in a way that it isn't now we mm. didn't have this sort of thing we've now got desperately seeking something people who have turned their gaze in, in that would have been <clears throat> focused on you know the community or christianity or or whatever religion it's now all about just endless introspection Mm. Uh, physical and you know mental so with kate we've got the spiritual thing of uh, you know i've got to not even improve myself because there's no sense with kate that she's actually sacrificing anything to get any sort of enlightenment it's all about just i just need to indulge myself more um and with lillian it's physical insecurity uh and it is this this the self is the new religion isn't it it's just people well, I, I, I would say the new, the new religion is, is the gap, and you've talked about Maslow and his what is it three? How, how many basic needs do we have? You know, like security. Yeah, and, yeah. The hierarchy uh, of basic yeah. need. Exactly, and the fact of the matter is, is that for the first time in human existence, mm. vast swathes of the population, those needs have actually been met. So we've so, actually got the time and the money so to have the, Botox. <laughs> exactly. And, yeah. and, and and to have um, psychological um, breakdowns and to have yeah. a whole... You know, on the one hand, because we have all this time actually to think, we've invented organised sport. Organised yeah. sport, in effect, is, is a new religion. Um, and we have hobbies and pastimes in, in a way that um, eight generations ago, seven generations ago, nobody had because you, yeah. you needed to get through the slog of just surviving you know and then and 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 so we're in this interesting and unique time in human existence whereby our basic needs actually have been met so the dislocation is going from a time when it's a battle for survival to understanding that our basic needs have, uh, have yeah. been met and and that's what we're going through now the turbulence of the in-between time whether it's going to be 100 years 200 years 300 years before we actually understand that we can be happy within and of ourselves but it's the, it's if you put put it in archer's terms it's the grundies who uh, poor old Clary would probably love to have indulged herself in a lovely midlife crisis and have an affair or whatever but she's actually too busy wondering mm. how doing two jobs and wondering how the hell she's going to you know where she's going to live 
Um, you know, but Shula has got the mental and financial freedom to be able to have a delightful little breakdown and, you know. I like that, a delightful little breakdown. Well, it is, isn't it? No, because absolutely. no no one's going to exactly die. It. It's just I'm feeling a little bit as if I'm not having enough attention. But poor Clary never, ever gets any attention, but she is too worried about survival. Mm. That's her fundamental... No, no, that's exactly it, you know, and, um, you know, it's kind of first world problems, middle class problems, the problems of affluence, um, etc, etc. But really, it's your basic needs are met. Um, so what fills in the gap? If I don't have to battle for, yeah. you know, survival on, on any meaningful level... I can uh, worry about my forehead and kind exactly. of rigorous there. Exactly. Were you surprised when Brian... I love that bit when Jenny... It was a bit creepy, I have to say. When Jenny was kind of um, egging Brian on to tell Lillian how wonderful she looked. And uh, she was saying, tell her, Brian, tell her, Brian. And Brian was going, way, well, if you weren't my wife's sister, I'd be after you. And I was like, Brian, stop it. Put your pants back <laughs> on. Crying out loud. It was kind of just completely ham-fisted, but... Of course, Lillian thought it was fantastic and said, oh, darling. Um, but then she, when, when he said, you look 20 years younger, mm. and she said, you look, no, you look 50. And she said, I think 20 years is a bit much. And I thought, she's not nearly 70, she's is not, she? No. Yeah, I just no. couldn't figure out the t- whether she was saying, oh, no, you, you're over-egging the pudding, Brian, or whether she was saying, oh, no, I'm not quite that old yet. I couldn't quite work it out. But I never, I think of her as 50. No, she's older than that. She's older than 50. I put her in like late 50s, mid to late 50s. Ah, okay. Mm. But um, a quick uh, look at the Archer's website will soon tell us how old she's supposed to be. Are you going to do that? No. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Who's the next caller? (laughs) Um, Felicity. Oh, I like her. Felicity, I know. She's very kind. Hello, it's... Felicity, thank you very much, first of all, for lovely podcasts. I thoroughly enjoy listening to them, and I think it's something that really grows on you as you get more used to the style and things, so that's really nice. I don't understand why people don't understand the Rob Titchener story, because surely the whole point is nothing to do with faking it, It's that he could be the father and he knows he could be. He's not sure that he is, possibly because he knows that Jess has been sleeping around a bit, but he knows because he was there on Valentine's night, blah, 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 that he could possibly have his name written up in chalk on the board, as it were. So he is desperately hoping that Jess was sleeping around um, near enough to the event to... You know what I mean. Anyway, (laughs) I should have thought that out, actually, before I dictated it. Yeah, anyway, um, I think it will play out that Rob is found at this point not to be the father. Cue lots of jubilation and happy ever after thoughts from Helen... And then we go on a bit further and the relationship 
you know, gets a bit more worrying. And then somehow it is revealed that Rob was actually with Jess on Valentine's night, even though procreation did not take place. Anyway, that's my thought for now. Um, Keep up the good work, chaps. It's lovely. Um, She said that she thinks that her plot prediction is that Jess has been sleeping around. Rob will be found out not to be the father. But as his relationship with Helen gets more worrying, and to be honest, I don't think it could get much more worrying because it's horrible. um, He will be relieved that it will be revealed that he did spend the night with Jess, even though he didn't get her up the duff. Mm. Yes, which I think is quite likely. I think it's too cliché to have Rob revealed as the father. Um, but even if he is, there's no way Helen's going to see that email, the, the letter. He would just hide it and say, yes, well, I, was, I was, threw it on the fire, darling. I was so relieved it was over. Mm. You know, blah, blah, blah. And she'll say, oh, good, Rob. Oh, I hated that episode when, when he was shouting at her. It was really, really horrible. And then when, when he was trying to make Henry eat his breakfast and and um, Helen said, oh, I shouldn't have mentioned croissant. And he said, no, you shouldn't. And I just thought, oh. And she started saying, sorry. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I'm now, I'm now um, preempting Goddess Diva's call. So we'll go on to that because, uh, as always, she has very good ideas for what we can do with Rob. Mm. Well, it, she has one idea. And uh, she bangs that drum relentlessly. <laughs> I'm not saying you don't deserve it, but say lots of good ideas. She has one idea, Lucy. Um, but just to say, uh, Felicity, uh, you get um, a little thanks and a big up later on in the podcast. Because you is most lovely and awesome. Right, now, who's next? Is it Goddess Diva? Yes. All right, go. Hello, you two. Goddess Diva here. And unlike what everybody thought I was going to be on Twitter, I'm not screaming and shouting. I'm actually very, very calm. A little bit Lisbeth Salander calm. As in, I really, really want to hurt Rob. But I want to do it in a slow, calm and horrible manner. I've been having some thoughts about how I would like Rob to die. I'm thinking that I should flay him, roll him in glass, cover him in salt, dip him in vinegar and then just start detaching bits from him and use his intestines to spell out she said sorry. We kind of knew it was coming. Helen was starting to actually assert herself again and we knew that she had to be put down. But the chills that went through me when this happened. So yeah, she said sorry. And for that, Titchy Knob must die. Okay, still loving the podcast. Speak to you later. Yes, as always, uh... You're right. It's the it's the yeah. It's the apologising. It's Helen saying, "I'm sorry. I'm not psychic. I'm sorry. I haven't done what you wanted." Apologising for existing. It's just awful to hear. Awful. I cannot wait for this storyline to be over. Really, really. I hate it so much because it's just too upsetting. Ooh. <sighs> but Let's go it's on. To... A, it's a great bit of realistic drama and the very, um, you know, kind of slow descent. Uh, yeah. You know, the man's not a nice guy, but up until uh, at what point did he really, true, truly step over the mark? You know, and that's the reason why why this is brilliant. You know, Little Miss Giggly. For me, it was Little Miss Giggly. 
which in, in and of its sense is that a hanging offence to call somebody little Miss Giggy <laughs> but, but when you put it up with all the other evidence yeah, yeah the man's a monster yeah and that's the reason why it's so, it's so well done hello Dumpty Dum Cosmo here again in just over two weeks I shall be off on holiday in fact I've just returned today from Birmingham which for our overseas listeners is allegedly Britain's second city in the heart of the Midlands and it is of course where they record the archers Whilst we dined well once and badly once, the poorer dining experience, I believe, was damaged by the music track that they were playing in the restaurant, which did not set a proper pace for the restaurant, and so eating five small courses took about two and a half hours. So despite previous adverse comments, I will accept Roy Highfield's comment on the situation. Clearly the right pace needs to be set in all things. The good dining was a top curry, but I have no doubt that Royfield, with his local knowledge, would know somewhere even better. Last week, there were a lot of discussions on voices. Shula also used to do the children's voices on the arches, as well as uh, in plays. It might be difficult for newer listeners, but there is some logic to the voices being a little out of sync. Because it is radio, therefore, the best friends need to stay sounding themselves, as changing voices makes following the drama difficult. When Kenton was reintroduced, he sounded like Adam. And despite managerial promises, we now have Tom sounding like Charlie and Dr. Dick Death sounding like PC Carpet Burns. It was also extremely disconcerting when Pat came back from Wales having lost her Welsh accent. Just touching on the archers, the reason that the original Bridge Farm shop closed was not due to an inability to cope after Tom's death or falling sales. The traffic planners popped along to point out that the entrance to the farm at the gateway was an unsafe turn off the highway and it could not be modified to allow safety standards to be achieved. This seems to have been completely forgotten by the current management. I just hope no one gets killed as this would lead to a third health and safety investigation at Bridge Farm which is clearly a very unsafe place. And I suppose as I have not been talking about financial or economic matters this week I do not qualify my for my own music which will be a shame never mind I'll try and be in touch next week before I go bye uh, thank you Cosmo enjoy your next holiday I've lost track now of where the hell you are but anyway um, yes you see Royfield's right about the pace uh, Cosmo said that he ended up having a three hour meal because the music they were playing in the background was so slow everyone ate really slowly <laughs> um, uh, yes next and the next is uh, Jojo Sexy Heels who is worried about Ian. Hi there, Dumpty Dummers. It's Jojo Sexy Heels here. Haven't called in for a couple of weeks, but I just couldn't resist after this week's barn dance. Loving the fact that Ian is back. Bit sad because usually when somebody's come back from the cold, dark depths of not being on the archers, it usually means that they're for the boot. Do hope that's not happening. I absolutely love Ian ever since he. Um, gave Titchy Knob that bop on the nose when we had the cycle race last year. He's been my absolute hero. Somewhere in the back of my mind throughout the episode with the barn dance, I could just visualise Ian as Simon Callow in Four Weddings and a Funeral, sort of spinning around um, with his kilt flying in, you know, whirling around. It just made me smile and smile. So scriptwriters... More of this sort of thing. I absolutely loved it. And 
um, to Roe Ifield and Lucy. It's now been a year. You've had 52 episodes. You've been going a year. I was there at the first episode. I'll be there till the day that you stop. Love it. Keep it up the great work. Love you guys. Bye bye for now. I'm worried about it. And I'll tell you what I didn't see coming. I thought that Adam and Charlie, they'd kind of hidden this much better than obviously they had. That obviously Ian's kind of picked yeah. up and whatever. And I, and I didn't see that coming. Well, it's mentionitis, isn't it? It's, mm. He keeps popping up, in the cropping up in the conversation. Um, His drone. Yeah, and... <laughs> I and every every time too. he says it in front of Ian, you kind of think, ooh, dear. And you can, you know, mentionitis is always the absolute first sign, isn't it? That's just mm. what you think. Oh, God, here we go. Um, and Ian's not daft, and he's well aware that he lives in a different world in terms of uh, employment to um, uh, to to uh, Adam, and that he doesn't have that sort of farming base in common with him. And I think that's why he's suddenly marching round fields, pretending to take an interest in what colour the flipping wheat is, just to sort of say, look, I'm here, I'm here, I'm interested, I'm interested. And, you know, it's, mm. yeah. Oh, poor Ian. I hope he doesn't go, because I think he's a lovely character. I know you're not massively enamoured of him, are you? No, 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 I, I like him. It's just that he's slightly too good to be true. Mm. And he, I think he's got... He did just... thump Rob, though. I mean, that's what Jojo Sexy was. Yeah, but that's just thumping. that was a righteous thumping, though, wasn't it? Yeah. Everyone forgive him that. Well, I don't but, care um, what the reason was. It was just good. But it, this kind of slightly goes to back up what Witherspoon said. If it wasn't last week, it was the week before, and he says, "Well, you know, if we are going to have um, a, a gay couple, let's have them in a, in a stable, long-lasting yeah. relationship." And, uh, you know, it's one of the things that, you know, uh, black people always say about the portrayal of, you know, other ethnic, yeah. you know, ethnic minorities are on the media. It's a case of, please, can we just be in the, you know, if you're going to have a black couple, let's have them. Have let's not stable. be troubled. Yeah, <laughs> let's not have them going through stereotypical, oh, what one of them's getting carted off to, to prison or yeah. do, do me drugs. Let's have them, yeah. you know, because... The, because the, the signal that it uh, displays, portrays, is, is, a, is a very important one. However, um, I think that Ian is slightly too good to be true and always has been. Though I, I, I don't dislike him. It's mm. um, it's my bet noir, isn't it? Yokel bet that actually hates and loathes him. Mm. Well, only because he fancies Charlie. <laughs> so he's just trying to make it feel better by mm. saying, oh, yes. Um... And we had an email from a John who says, you were requesting feedback from Johns from around the world. I am John in Ladprow, Bangkok. Best Mm. wishes, John in Ladprow, Bangkok, as previously discussed. (laughs) Um, So, Lucy. Yes. um, Are we doing John news now? Yeah, we'll do John news. All right. So. News of the Johns. News of the Johns. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, so uh, you've kind of preempted me somewhat here because remember last week we asked, "Are you a John?" <laughs> uh, yes. Well, on Twitter, sorry. <clears throat> well, on Twitter, Facebook, and email, Johns have been in contact. 
So we started a new order of listener. Oh yes, it's called the Order of John Archer for all listeners of the podcast that have the same name as the dearly departed DJ Farmer. Each John should now communicate with us by using their designated number. So old school Johns, that is John from Newcastle, is now John the First. John from Dorset will be forever known as John the Second. This week we had messages from John in Ladproud, Bangkok, on whom we bestow the title John the Third. On the Twitties, Twitters, John Je- <laughs> Jeffries or John from Minneapolis is John the Fourth. Now, those wanting clarification on John rules headed over to Facebook. No, Calvin Saxton middle names do not count. Jenny Allen wrote, My son Johnny listens, though, not through choice, as he's only five and doesn't really appreciate it. Does that make the list? He's also from Bristol. No, he does not, Jenny. We really want committed Johns who would take a bullet for the podcast if needs be. And Andrea Nagel said, I sleep with a John. Does that work? Well, I just hope he pays well, madam. Um, so there you go. There's John News. So if you are a John and you listen to the podcast, please get in contact with us. Now, no tricks. Don't be don't be saying don't. I don't see an email coming from a Samantha and you say my name is John. So you can have, you know, uh, you can be John the fifth or whatever. The email needs to come from John, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know, for you even to count. But there you go. There's a clarification. You need to be a John. No middle names, no kids. And uh, now back to archers related stuff <laughs> <laughs> oh i worry about us sometimes i really do <sighs> that, that's it I've done, yes we've done the calls oh all right mm. i'll tell you what then uh we're doing this show a clip let's take five uh well probably not going to be five probably end up being about 180 seconds but you know you, you say five don't you because to say uh, let's take 180 seconds <laughs> sounds a bit peculiar <laughs> but let's try it let's take 180 seconds and come back the other side with a little bit of milling fancy getting your mouth around something warm something comforting you can really get a firm grip on why not buy a Dumpty Dum mug from the shop at dumptydum.com? Goes down lovely. G'day everyone, it's Millie Bell here. I just want to have my two penneth worth about the ferret story because I think I saw it slightly differently to everyone else. If I've got my dates right, the ferret story started on April the 1st, so I just kind of had it in my head that it was a comedic interlude. Uh, with a bit of a hat tip to the um, April Fool's Day. So from that point of view, I really, really enjoyed it. And I kind of liked the fact that the screenwriters uh, try to mess with our heads a little bit with things like that. So, yeah, I liked it. We we have been contacted uh, through our Facebook page by Carol King, who runs the David Archer Appreciation Group. She just wanted to say that they are all happy lammies now that Brookfield is unsold and our David saved Ambridge in the flood. And a great interview with Tim, by the way. She also says, bah, to Hazel Woolley. Uh, we asked you a couple of questions this week. We asked you uh, what background music uh, should play when Lillian reveals her new look. And we had some great answers. I liked Peter Mabutz, he suggested Hey Big Spender. Robert Dwyer Joyce suggested, I think it's Roberta Flax, the first time ever I saw your face. Della Hickey said Smooth Criminal. And uh, Kat Brown said Britney's uh, Boat Toxic. 
but my absolute favourite was Justine Taylor who suggested What's New Pussycat? I thought that was brilliant, I enjoyed that. We also asked you, uh, bearing in mind the fact that recently drones have uh, been mentioned, what other technology could be introduced onto Ambridge and why? Guy Ladbrook uh, suggested a cash machine for Kate and Kenton. I want one of those too. Diane Telford suggested robot cows, nanobots, a ferret catcher, and finally a hologram doctor so they don't have to drive too far to see one. Alison Jones said, I think Jill needs a self-driving car. Fiona Griffin suggested that Rob already has a tracking device on Helen and cameras set up in the house. But my favourite answer was um, from Jacqueline Bertho, who said she thinks there should be an electronic ankle tag from Ian to Adam. I just wanted to read out something from another website, uh, another Facebook page, I'm sorry, just because I don't know why, but it really tickled me. Simon Gling on the Archers Appreciation Group just put up this post is just two sentences but it just made me giggle and giggle every time I thought about it. It says, Mr. Titchener, I can confirm that you are not the father of the child in question. However, there are 147 matches to other children on the database. (laughs) Some of you have wicked, wicked minds. Anyway, that's my report for today and uh, I look forward to uh, seeing you all next week. Hooroo! Thank you, Miss Bell. Um, Why don't we now, Lucy, have your hashtag The Archers Tweets of the Week? Yes! Uh, Bubbly Callard said, I'd make sure I had something for the weekend with me if I were Dr. Richard. Shula's on fire! Uh, Chirps Estonia. She is on fire. You definitely need a bit of protection, don't you? (laughs) (laughs) Chirps Estonia said, I doubt Spencer recognised Pip. I don't. Uh-huh. Uh, Pauline Wallen said she had Shula saying I'll find someone else to dance with enter Richard ready to strip the willow so to speak <laughs> Sarah Archer said I believe the tickets for the DNA results show are on sale in the village shop and tweet of the week was from a John who obviously yes, hasn't got the message yet about which John he is John Porter pie and a pint who said Charlie to Adam can I get you a drink or have you already got a semi on <laughs> Well done. Da da da! The end of <laughs> tweets of the week. Right, so um, that I believe means that we're just about at the end of the show. But we've got some stuff to get through before we actually call time on this. So, first off is shop news. Yes, folks, this is the section of the show where we tell you which Dundee Dummer has bought what. And this week, no one has brought anything. Nada. So why not? Um, <laughs> so why not buy something? So I don't read. Why not join them and go? Oh, no one's bought anything, which would make absolutely no sense. So why don't you go over and buy something? It could be um, a t-shirt. It could be a teapot. It could be a throw. It could be a yoga mat. It could be just about anything that your heart desires go over there to our shop and find it it's probably got a dumbbell logo on it and buy it cool now we've done john news very exciting john news so now we need to go on to oh 
I've had a couple of lovely little messages this week. I just want to say hello to my fellow Cupcake Revolutionary, Alison, also known as Nozilla underscore 63, whose name did escape in the middle of last week's show. Uh, and when we talked about all things uh, cupcakey, revolutionary and socialist. So uh, there you go. Alison, thank you for your little message. And I also had a very lovely tweet from Felicity who said... Thanks for honest meanderings on Dumpty Dum, Land in Jamaica, Kids Hassles, NHS. Great to listen to a very real human being. Ah. Very sweet and uh, that absolutely made my day. So thank you for that, Felicity. Mm. Now on to... Reviews, news, 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 reviews. reviews. Well, things have kind of dried up here faster than the once swollen River Am. We only had two reviews this week, but they came from the two largest English-speaking countries in the world. Bingley Baggy, reviewing from Great Britain. And from the colony that got away, ooh, Ormond Beach, I think that says. Uh, Thank you for your wonderful reviews. Now, reviews are important because they help us to market the show. It means that we get more listeners. So please, please, please write those reviews. Now, and if you do write a review in somewhere other than the US, Canada or the UK, please send us an email and tell us because I only check those three stores on iTunes. So if you write a review and you write it in Kenyan iTunes or in Nepalese iTunes, please tell us because I'm never going to click onto those and and see them. Uh, You can also go to patreon.com. You can search for Dumpty Dum and you can donate $2 a show, which is about £1.30 if you would like to encourage us to broadcast every week by donating each and every time we podcast. And these madly cool and clever folk are contributing every time we podcast. Andy Bender. Steve Foxendernian. Scott Matthewman. Sean Geraghty. Lorelai. Jan Mitchell of Vancouver. Jennifer Reber, who's madly cool. Samantha Dean, who is also lovely. Jean Rose. And Amy Ross. We love you all for being our Patreons. Now, if you don't want to contribute per show, you don't want to buy something and you can't be fussed to write a review, just give us your cash. And you can give us your cash by going on to dumdydum.com, clicking on the donate button. Then that money goes to some offshore account, gets uh, washed and cleaned and hidden from George Osborne and goes into the Royal Borsetshire Bank of Dumpty Dum's account, which is some real dodgy bank. And it means that Lucy and I are just feathering our nest for our retirement or something yeah. or another. We're both so, driving solid gold jags. Absolutely. Absolutely. So if you've got hard earned money, give it to us by going on to dumptydum.com and hitting donate. Now, remember, if you need to get in contact with us or you just want to get in contact with us, uh, you can do that by sending us a voice message via the site uh, or you can call 0203031305 from a phone, like a phone phone. And you can leave us a message or you can ping us a regular email via the site if you like or you can tweet me on the Twitters where I'm at Royfield. Uh, Me at Lucy V Freeman. Or both of us at Dumpty Dum. Good, good, good. So please, please, please keep those reviews coming because you want to be top of the podcast charts before Clary sets at home in her sideboard. The end. The end. I am worried about the Grundies, you know. Are you? Well, we for a while, they seem to be going through a fairly kind of... Um, 
oh, sort of positive thing, weren't they? And now it's all going wrong again and Ed's being an arse and he's listening to Eddie and not Emma. Mm. Why would you listen to someone who's rampantly unsuccessful instead of Emma, who is showing some sort of entrepreneurial nous? Well, but you could look at Emma's hardly been the most successful uh, of adults so far in her life. You you could make the same argument saying, why do you want to listen to her? It's just that we as the listeners have this wider sense of a wider story arc that she's going to become this thrusting, strong, um, you know, female businesswoman alongside my Fallon. Yeah. So, <laughs> she's how is your Fallon? We haven't heard from her for a while. Have we? Um, well, we haven't heard from her because Sean O'Connor said she couldn't come on the show. Mm. Mm. Git. Well, no, no. He's a. We just need to explain to him, Lucy. We just need to uh, assuade his fears that we are not a couple of Fruit Loops who are going to tie his actors up in knots, get them to reveal, you know, future storylines, etc. And as soon as we can meet Mr. Sean for that cup of coffee um, at a place of your choosing, um, I'll be able to make you realise that I am a dimwit who could never get anybody, <laughs> tie anybody up in knots. And, you know, your actors are fine getting on our wondrous podcast. We do need to keep these people slightly on side, Lucy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> This is like a charm offensive and your charm and I'm offensive. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Right. Um, Have we got anything else to talk about? No. I didn't think so either. Right. Short and sweet. I reckon this one is going to come in under an hour, which is, I think, exactly what we needed. Goodbye, Lucy V. Freeman. Goodbye, Royfield B. Round. Uh, I thought my name was Roy I. Field. Roy I. Field B. Round. Sorry. Okay, cool. And you know what I'm going to do now? Go back and listen to the uh, the the barn dance show because I didn't know that one absolutely passed me by somehow. <laughs> but anyway, to the listeners, right. see you all in seven days' time. See ya. Bye. Bye bye. All right, loose. I'm off ski. Okay. See all right, love. Take care. Bye. Bye. Oh, you know what I mean. Anyway, <laughs> I should have thought that out actually before I dictated it. Yeah. Anyway, um, keep up the good work, chaps. It's lovely. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. 
Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code GLOW.